Hi, I'm Natalie, and you may know me from podcasts such as this one, Infinitely Irrational. If you are a regular listener, you know that we have been doing a special for COVID-19. Kay and I are working on separate stuff, but we do miss each other. And so we have been able to bring in some amazing friends to kind of help us through these trying times. And so our next guest shares my love for Harry Potter, Hamilton, and all things math. She, no one that I know works harder to help her students, and she has an amazing sense of humor. And so I'm excited to welcome Dr. Kelly Jackson to our podcast. Welcome, Kelly. Oh, thank you very much. I, uh, with that introduction, I'm, I'm blushing here from across the, the U.S. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, nice to, it's nice to be able to talk to you and feel some sense of normalcy. Um, you know, you feel a little bit isolated in these times, and so it's nice to hear a friendly voice and connect in a way other than just on a Facebook comment. No doubt. I was so excited the other day. We were on a, a WebEx the other day and I got to see you and I was so excited that instantly I chatted. Hi, Kelly, I miss you so much. So I'm so excited that we get to connect. It was so funny because on the day before you had put up a meme that I thought was hilarious and I knew I was going to be on that WebEx. So I shot you a, a, a message just asking, is it okay if I steal that? And you gave me a yes. And the next day I saw you on that, I said, wow, I'm really glad I asked for that permission because she'd be sitting there thinking, wow, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, so I can't claim credit for creating that meme. I'm just all about sharing the memes to get the laughter and the jokes out there. <laughs> <laughs> it, it helps. It absolutely helps. So tell us a little about your situation. What's your work life, home life, et cetera, everything look like right now? I, I guess like a lot of people, you know, home, I'll go home life first. Um, I'm the only one working in the household right now. So it's, you know, in one part blessed because I am still able to work and, uh, you know, education is one of the, um, the areas where we haven't seen so far the complete close down that, that yeah. other areas see. And so I have a home office and I'm, spending eight to 12 hours a day sitting at it. I, I'm rethinking the fact that when I made my home office, I picked the one room in my entire house that doesn't have a window. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and so I'm sitting here feeling very bunkered in for my eight to 12 hours a day that I'm spending working on, on trying to get my courses prepared. And there's the triage you're doing to mm -hmm. make things work right now for right now. But there's also a little bit of planning. Mm -hmm. and you know, I find like a doomsday-ish type planning, like, well, if I myself get sick and right. can't finish and someone has to pick up, I want to leave them with the, you know, the most um, up-to-date and thorough information possible. And I want to have my students be able to, to seamlessly work their way through these last six weeks without feeling like there are bumps in the road. So I'm, I'm trying to plan as much as possible. So I feel like I may be front loading more time now than, than I'll have to be putting in later. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for right now, I, I just feel like every waking moment that I'm not sitting in front of my computer, I'm thinking I should be in front of my computer. I should be in front of my oh computer. Oh my gosh, it's so yeah. true. And what you said, though, is, is really important because I, I can't, I was talking to somebody uh, about this recently and part of the plan should be, what if you get sick? Because, yes. you know, I, I know that right now everybody's kind of stressed right now about, oh, God, we have to change to online in such short order. But I, I don't I think that another, you know, one of the problems that people haven't considered is is what what happens if I get sick. Uh, so yeah. so I think definitely that's that's a good thing to, to point out. How have you been connecting with your so you guys are already back, right? 
online? Yeah, we, we started back uh, a week ago today. So we, okay. we had previous to spring break, we, everything was as normal. We had mm-hmm. a spring break week and then uh, a week that was, uh, we called it the pause week, but basically yeah. a week for faculty to get their stuff together. And then last Monday, we came back on with the remote learning setting at that point. Mm-hmm. And so how have you been connecting with your students even during pause week or even now? What what has that looked like for you? Well, I have used Canvas in order to just send email communications. I've been posting things up in terms of uh, you know, just having written things. I've had online office hours uh, during the time when the students are used to seeing me. So during the regular class time, I have office hours. I've not been doing lecture or full class meetings at those times because I just feel like it's unfair to them. Yeah. You ask them to commit to that time now that they have other things going on in their lives. So I have office hours during their regular times. And I also just say to them, hey, look, shoot me an email. We can hop on a, mm-hmm. you know, a Zoom meeting anytime. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've got nowhere else to go. So <laughs> So yeah, I've been I've been hopping on and, and in some cases the questions that they have have been things that can just be sorted out by email and in other cases we hop on mm-hmm. for a couple minutes and chat. But I, I you know I feel like you know, certainly any student who wants to be in touch can be in touch and I'm you know I'm trying to reach out and in part just kind of soothe their nerves, let them know that we'll figure it out. I know not everyone has the optimum technology set up to right. maximize so even though I've written out these copious annotated notes, not everyone has a printer and not everyone has the kind of device where it's easy to read. They're reading off a phone, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So I'm trying to keep that in mind as I'm putting things up to try to look, what does this look like on my phone? And, and try to, to use an all of the above approach where I'm, I'm trying to have things that are written things that are PowerPoint, things that are video, you know, pre-prepared lessons that are videos right, right, right. so that I can hit on whatever learning style is going to work best in whatever situation someone's in. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely so important to have that not only plan A, but plan B, C, D, E, F, G. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, uh, and just an attitude that will figure it out. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I want them to learn the material. A lot of the types of math that I teach uh, include developmental, or uh, I teach the the first. So I teach both levels of statistics, but I have several sections of Stat One, knowing that potentially they're going to go into Stat Two. Okay. And so when you're teaching that prerequisite course, there's a certain amount of I have to be preparing for the next you know, the next rung up the ladder. Mm-hmm. If I'm teaching a course that is you know, our math for liberal arts course where we know, hey, this is the last math class they're ever going to see in their entire life. And it's up to me to decide, you know, what they're going to see. And, and I don't have to worry about what the next person up the line is going to have to You've deal got with. got That's a little a bit of flexibility. So, yeah. Yeah. I've kind of approached it with a little bit of breadth over depth. I want yeah. them to be exposed to everything. I want us to see good, solid examples of everything they need to see. And if I don't do you know, problem 79, the most difficult problems within the problem set, I'm not going to cry over that. Right. So I'm really trying to just expose them to all the, uh, the big topics, feel like that they've, they've seen it, that they've practiced it. One of the things that, that I've tried to do for my students who are not from the online settings or transitioning from face to face 
is to mimic what I do in class with them as closely as possible. So I've been communicating with them about the idea of having class with themselves and what that looks like. I love that phrase that you used, by the way, having class with yourself. Yeah. So what I try to do is to, you know, in, in my classroom, I roll through and I do, we do, you do over and over. So I'm showing them uh, mm-hmm. a problem or, you know, introducing vocabulary and then kind of guided, you know, let's do it together and maybe a collaborative where they're doing it together. And then ultimately, okay, you try this one. Okay. Maybe we need to try another one. And then you kind of roll into the next, next objective. And so I tried with my developmental students mimic that in having them watch a video that's a very small chunk with a few problems behind it. Mm-hmm. And then another small chunk with a few problems behind it. And I feel like, first of all, it's not going to overwhelm them Definitely. with information before they get a chance to practice, but also that if they have to chunk it out 15 minutes at a time, because that's how much time they have before the next time they have to attend to their kids, mm-hmm. then they can, they can get something done forward progress in a 15 minute chunk. And right. so as, as I'm chunking out my, you know, my videos and, and my plan for them, I'm trying to keep in mind that they may not have that three hour block where they sit down on a Sunday and just spend time working on math, you know, uninterrupted for a period of time. Yeah. And to that point, even though I binge watch stuff on Netflix, I can't sit there. I have to pause it every few minutes to talk to my husband. I'm sure it drives him nuts. But even with that, just, you know, trying the 15 minutes is a nice little chunk for them to process one small thing and, you know, not sit there over a large period of time. And and because how do you even with your attention span, even on the best of days, to, to give several hours, you know, you'd probably still have to take breaks. So that's really great. Yeah. And I think that when you start doing that, then, then kind of the, the flip side of it is you can't have them thinking that they have a thousand different discrete things that they oh, have to true. learn. So you also have to be cognizant of within some of those 15 minute chunks, creating the threads that tie topics together and pull, you know, pulling things together so that they see connections Uh, One of the things, again, with developmental students who I work with a lot that Mm. they have difficulty with is recognizing, you know, where this connects to something that they've already seen before. And so uh, tell us, you know, you also have been working with your with your department uh, a lot and, and kind of getting your faculty to to make this huge shift. What was that like for you? What do you wish that I guess now, what what lessons I guess would you would you say that you've learned in this <laughs> short period of time? Yeah, I the the thing I learned most is kind of just getting over myself a little bit because when you're in the classroom as much as you don't want to be sage on the stage, you're sage on the stage, mm-hmm. you're there, you're doing your performance and now I've taken the me out of it a little bit. So when they're, when they're reading the annotated notes or, you know, I have the PowerPoint prepared, or even if I'm doing the talking at them lecture, there's, there's that part of my personality that's not there. And I think that I help really reduce a lot of anxiety with my students because of just my personal interaction style. I can totally see that you are hilarious. I have a, a pretty smiley face when I'm talking and, and, you know, I can give them bad news and, and still have them feel comfortable with it and, and things along those lines. So 
you know, taking that piece of it out and then having just the rest of it that, that you're used to saying, I'm not secondary to the book. The book is secondary to me. I'm not supporting the book. The book is supporting me mm-hmm. or whatever the other tools are. And now you're relying on the book or the homework system or a PowerPoint to be the, the message. Mm-hmm. And so the, getting over that control has been tough. And I think a lot of other people have been worried about, oh, how on earth am I going to assess? Oh, what happens if they cheat? Oh, what happens if their book is open? Oh, what happens if, <laughs> heaven forbid, someone's talking to them about this math that they're doing? And I don't care at all about any of that, to be perfectly honest. I interact with them enough that I'm, I'm seeing what they're doing and, yeah. and collaborating with them a, a little bit. And, I, you know, to some extent, if I put a, a problem on an assessment and they know enough about what kind of problem it is to even find where in their notes to be looking to help them along with the solution. I'm actually kind of happy about that. <laughs> like that level of problem recognition right now to me is amazing. Yeah. You know, for me, that, that idea. And when I was training faculty, you know, that's the thing that they seem to be really worried about was mm-hmm. how are we going to assess them? What if they cheat? What if they, and then that went away so fast, like that interest in control you know, one of the things that I, that I think a lot of faculty had to, to do if they were doing it, what I'll call right, I'm going to be judgmental, is they had to get out of their own comfort zone to keep their students in theirs. Definitely, yeah. So, there, you know, there were faculty who didn't really want to make a video, didn't really want to, you know, have to create uh, an online assessment. And, and they did that because they knew it was right for their students. And I think coming out the other end of this, people's face-to-face classes are going to be better mm-hmm. because they actually understand some of the tools that they can use to support what they're doing that allow their face-to-face time in class to be more productive. And I've always said to them, you know, when it comes to the technology, homework systems and such, let it be good at what it's good at and don't mm-hmm. ask it to do what it's not good at. And I think that some of them have been forced to explore more deeply what the different technologies are good at and what they can deliver well. So they are going to be able to, coming out the other end, uh, be a little bit better. I know one thing for me, my online classes are going to be better from now on because in trying to create a better situation for my face-to-face class, I've actually come up with things that I feel like, wow, I wasn't doing that with my online class. Shame on me. <laughs> um, and it's in the same way, you know, I did a lot of work early in my career. I did a lot of work with uh, students who were deaf and I had a particular semester and, and you'll know this, this, uh, type of situation. The student fails your class and then is begging to get back in your class for the next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so they weren't successful, but they, they are attached to you. So I had yeah. a student who wanted to get into my class, but it was an all deaf section. And so the student wants to get in, and I'm like, I don't know that this is a good idea, and, but I need you. That's the only time it'll work. So the student was blind. In this class, I had to create a class visual enough for my deaf students and auditory enough for my blind student. Man. And it was in my first, it was in my uh, like second year of teaching, right at the beginning of my career. And in trying to create that lesson, you hear it all the time about you know, working with students with disabilities, that the universal design that you use to create lessons that work for them are great for all your students. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the same way, the things that I'm doing right now to create a meaningful online experience 
for my face-to-face students is going to be good for all my students in the end, you know, when, when everything returns to the new normal. You know, what you said a second ago um, about your colleagues doing everything to help their students to get now that they're they're kind of being forced, I guess, to get out of the comfort zone and how quickly it was to shift yours. It sounds like you're seeing that, too, with because all of us, I think, in, in all the conversations I've been having, all of us instructors are how can I do the best for my students to not stress them out? And I think that's kind of why why we get into teaching a lot of the times, you know. Yeah. And if you've worked with developmental students, you know that it doesn't take a whole lot for them to throw up their hands and just Mm -hmm. say, I can't do this. I failed again. This isn't for me. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not a college student. And so you have to balance a little bit of trying to help them recognize themselves as being a college student and help them envision what, you know, the future is going to look like for them. And that just because there's, you know, a bump in the road or something's hard doesn't mean that they can't get past that and still be successful. And and so, you know, in this situation, it, it's difficult because it's very easy for students to just say, oh, yeah, I have to stop because it's getting hard to, to juggle these balls. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to find a path to, to being able to move forward and not necessarily have to give up because once they stop out, it's harder to get them started again versus just keeping the momentum going. Even if it's just a little bit of forward progress, keeping the momentum going, I think is, is a better bet for everybody. Right. So you've talked about students keeping the momentum going with students. And we also talked a little bit about keeping the momentum going with faculty, I think, you know. And so have you done anything to connect with folks in your department? How have you guys been sharing resources or? I'm really actually very proud of of what we've done there. So tell um, us, I can't wait. (laughs) I've mentioned to you before, we were, were going into a spring break when things started to close down. So on the first day of spring break, so this is the Monday of spring break, you know, invited everyone to come in for some training. And we did a couple sessions because at that point in New Jersey, we were doing social distancing, but nothing was completely closed as it is now. So we were allowed on campus and you were just respecting distances. So we brought uh, folks in in clusters and that day, every single full-time faculty member and every single adjunct showed up. Wow. Every one of them. And so what I, you know, what I did was I walked them through um, our, our homework product. So we use Connect uh, Math hosted by Alex, a, a McGraw-Hill product. And we've used that during the course of the semester for online homework. Uh, but now they were going to need to be transitioning from using that uh, just for online homework into the dev- you know, a, a device in their remote teaching. So sure. I was showing them how to incorporate video lessons into, because there's some pretty high quality video lessons that we have uh, in that product. And so how to create an assignment. And again, kind of showing the idea of having class with yourself. So I was showing them a few different options for how they could use videos, follow it up by practice or use the ebook or use PowerPoint. So as I was showing them some different ways that each of them could decide in their comfort zone, what having class with themselves would look like for their students. And And that's so so, important about what you just said about what it looks like for them, because my class will be different from your class. And so how can you maintain your personality? That's definitely important. 
And I, that's what I said to them. You're going to have to be comfortable with what you come up with as your way of, of helping them do this. So we had our, our training that day. I showed them how to you know, link from our Canvas LMS, which many of them had not even started using. It's brand new to us this year. So many of them have n- had never logged into Canvas ever. Oh. And so I had to show them how to use Canvas, what the difference was between the products. You know, so they, <laughs> some of them, I think everyone has this happen. You have adjuncts. A lot of them are retired teachers. Their learning curve on mm-hmm. technology is pretty steep one. And so, yeah, we were kind of working with that. So then after that, we've been doing email communication and so forth, uh, you know, just as they were trying to decide what they were feeling comfortable with. And then we did the following week on a Tuesday. So we had our, our what we called the, the pause week. We did a Zoom meeting. And so I brought them all in and we Zoomed. And so I transferred the controls to every single person in the room and every person took their, their turn of sharing their screen and annotating a couple things and you know seeing what a meeting looked like. So we practiced that. And in the meantime, when I tell you we had hundreds of emails going around, so how are you telling your students about your office hours? How are you explaining this? What's the, you know, what's the language you're going to use for that? You know, how did you decide you were going to count this in, in their grade, right? They're having class with themselves. They're watching these videos and doing these problems. Are you giving them credit for it? There, there were just these back and forth email conversations. And, and we had the live meeting twice, once literally face-to-face live and once the Zoom version of live. Yeah, and, and so I think everyone has settled into what their different normal is going to look like. Okay. I'm sure near, 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 near final exams, I'm sure we'll get another flurry of yeah. about how to handle such and such. Right. So, you know, you, you've talked about some of the things that, that faculty were concerned about that and then that kind of went away as as other other things kind of popped up and and then you know what you were triaging and so what trends do you see that they have been concerned about that we haven't maybe talked about or that you might foresee and maybe some ways that we can address them what do you think well i think that almost everyone is looking at the spring semester in that triage fashion, like we're all just trying to get through it. We're all <laughs> stumbling to the end line. But I don't think everyone has thought about what happens if this continues through summer, what happens if it continues into the fall. Like, what if this is a longer term issue? Because mm-hmm. when we, you know, for these students, we've met with them half the semester. So you know, they had the half face to face and now we're, we're kind of saying, well, you know, the test they already took, I have enough in my grade book that if, you know, this one or two tests in front of me are a little bit, you know, not, not so great because they, they quote cheated, it's okay. But then a week after the spring term ends, we're going to start a summer term. Well, now all of a sudden they're going to have to think about what this looks like for them as a soup to nuts beginning to end remote experience for their students. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that not everyone has gotten to the point where they're thinking about that future and what that might look like. So that's something that I think they need to think about because I don't know for most of them that they would feel comfortable having a whole semester with assessment looking like what it's going to look like these last few weeks. You know, we at our college, we don't have the whole lockdown browser proctoring thing going so, you know, that's something that, that I think, you know, people are going to have to get on their radar and think about if, if you're going to be moving to 
a more permanent online setting. I definitely agree with you. I mean, you know, it's a big thing in general, just thinking about what that assessment might look like. But as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, so right now what we've done is we've essentially taken the second half of our semester. Most of us have taken the second half of our semester and we've turned it online, but we didn't give any thought to the first half. And so although we might have half that has a Band-Aid on it, you know, how do yeah. we how do we build this robust first half for those folks who, who haven't ever taught online before or who haven't ever done done this so yeah that's yeah. that's definitely something to think or, about or they're, they're thinking they're going to teach a summer class that is not one of the classes they're teaching this term oh, right. right if it's a new prep <laughs> yeah you're going to have to prep a whole course so yeah so i think that there's going to be a point where you're going to you're going to stop being reactive and start being proactive again mm-hmm. that's a good sign when you feel like you're comfortable enough that you can think future and forward and you're not thinking just totally in the moment but there's such a big question cloud over, you know, just simple things like in our state, they're looking at a pass-fail option for students. And, you know, th- again, with that control thing, faculty are all kind of, well, what if it doesn't transfer? But what if, but what if, and yeah, but, and yeah, but. And, uh, you know, we, we're getting solutions within our state where the four-year colleges have said, yeah, for that semester, we'll, you know, we'll consider that for transfer. But then, you know, where we, more of our students transfer uh, over the bridge into Philadelphia, so they're in Pennsylvania, and now Pennsylvania's not signed on to accept these pass grades. And so, you know, there there are some decisions that are going to have to be made about how we're going to handle, you know, that, because our students are going to have these grades, and then they're going to not be able to transfer them. And, and so, I, yeah, it, the, the pass-fail puts a Band-Aid on the issue this term for us to all feel comfortable that we're not giving a failing grade to a student who just doesn't have the technology to take an online class they right. never signed up for, right? But at the same time, they may have to pay and retake this class because they got a pass and their transfer institution doesn't want a pass. They want mm-hmm. a letter grade. So, you know, there are some things that I think we're not even thinking about yet uh, yeah. in terms of how we're triaging and what it's going to be doing to them. You know, our transfer students, they take pre-calc with us, they transfer somewhere else, and now they're going to be in Calc 1. And, you know, th- their their expectation in Calc 1 is that they had a, a full semester of pre-calc that wasn't during a time of crisis and... <laughs> Uh, where people were being kind and being lenient and there's going to be an impact. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So for us, transfer is not just within the state. We have to think about it. And, you know, that's not to say that, that, you know, Pennsylvania is not going to come up with the same idea that, uh, you know, we have to be kind and, and for this semester, there's going to be the, um, you know, the, the understanding but I know for a lot of my students are nursing students and some of their transfer inst- institutions specify that they're not allowed to have online classes for their prerequisites and oh science. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right? Well, okay, for this What if semester, it's half it, online? <laughs> right? For this semester, you could say, hey, it wasn't an online class. But, but if they start taking the class in June over the summer, it's going to be an online class. Yeah. We've oh. already committed that our first summer session is all online. Yeah, it did. There's going to be issues. And, and again, you know, it's that idea of control and that you know, what, what can you control? and What can't you control? Yeah. Uh, and, and as a two year institution, we just can't control what the four years do and take and transfer. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can make all the decisions we want in terms of what we think is best for our students, but ultimately the four years are going to decide what they want to take and what they don't want to take. They're driving that bus. Definitely. It sounds like it's both a mixture of like those, those Russian nesting dolls, as well yes. as, <laughs> as well as the choose your own adventure, because you can there get really. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Man, these are this has been such a great conversation. So um, I appreciate you taking the time out to to kind of hang out with me and just reconnect and talk about what's what's been happening in your neck of the woods. And so before uh, before we kind of close out, what thoughts or you know advice or sage wisdom do you do you have that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think that most of us who've been doing this for a while have have that gut instinct, and we know what is good for our students. And I think that listening to those gut instincts is a good thing. You have to have that check on yourself, that balance that says, you know, the standards still matter and there's still, it's not okay to just say that everyone passes, but at the same time you can have compassion. And so I think that you can find a a balance where you have compassion, but also have standards. It It may take some work to set that up and some planning to set that up. But I think that there's room in higher ed to have students learn and at the same time recognize the fact that there's life outside of school and life gets in the way and mm-hmm. that, that that it's not awful to have some flexibility in what you're doing. They can still be learning and they can still be showing evidence of that learning in a more flexible way than, than maybe we're used to. Yeah, I, th- I think you're, you're definitely right on that. And I just, again, I thank you so much for, for hanging out with us. And listeners, if you guys have any questions for me or for, for Kelly, you know, please feel free to email podcast at infinitelyirrational.com. You can also visit us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can uh, just visit our website at infinitelyirrational.com. Thank you again, Kelly. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great talking to you.